Start your morning with the CNN Daily News Briefing. In just three minutes, we'll tell you about the stories that are making headlines around the world. To listen, tell your smart speaker to play the CNN Daily News Briefing or find us in your favorite podcast app. Good evening. There is news just breaking now at the end of an already historic day. The White House appears to have just now blinked in the standoff that today left President Trump facing the specter of impeachment. He's certainly not there yet, not by any means, but only two presidents have ever been impeached, Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, and Richard Nixon resigned before the House could act. So President Trump is in very rare company. Today's action by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, along with the president's own statements and actions over the past days and weeks, have now put the White House and Congress on a path rarely traveled in the 243 years of this country's existence. Whether you agree with what Speaker Pelosi announced today or not, Today is significant. It was just after 5 Eastern time that Speaker Pelosi, out in front of a rising wave of pro-impeachment sentiment in her caucus, made the day historic. The actions of the Trump presidency revealed the dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of impeachment inquiry. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. Well, at immediate issue is the intelligence that whistleblower complaint, which the the White House has so far been keeping from Congress, and the president's phone conversation with the president of Ukraine allegedly to get Ukrainian help in damaging his leading opponent, Joe Biden. Now, the White House is now promising to release a transcript of the phone call tomorrow morning, which is not enough for House Democrats. We'll soon get a chance to question the acting director of national intelligence, uh, who stopped the complaint from being forwarded to Congress, uh, and the whistleblower. Nor is it enough for the Senate, which took rare bipartisan action late today on the whistleblower's complaint. And as we mentioned at the very top, that is not even the half of it. Let's begin with Jim, Jim Acosta with the breaking news. So what are you learning about the possible release of yeah. the whistleblower complaint itself? Yeah, Anderson, we understand White House officials are looking at this right now. It could come out as soon as tomorrow. Uh, my colleagues are reporting that the president weighed in on this and decided ultimately uh, on his own that he wanted to see this whistleblower complaint released. We're not sure what uh, form it will come in, whether we will see all of it. Uh, but it is a curious uh, change of events. Uh, the White House essentially blinked in all of this. If we do see all of it. We're not sure if we're going to see all of it, but re- recall last week when the inspector general for the intelligence community went up on Capitol Hill, talked to the House Intelligence Committee and was essentially telling those lawmakers, we can't show you what's in this complaint. And so this is a major reversal for the White House. No question about it, Anderson. Uh, what about the, the release of the transcript of the president's call with the Ukrainian president? And I, 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 I'm not I mean, it, were there multiple calls? Do we know? Because uh, the reporting for The Wall Street Journal initially was that Uh, There were at least eight mentions of uh, or eight efforts uh, mentioning uh, focusing on on Biden. Do we know if that was all in one call? Right. I think that's one of the key questions in the whistleblower complaint. Remember, the whistleblower complaint dealt with multiple interactions. And so that may get us to uh, that answer. And whether or not we see all of the whistleblower complaint, uh, that remains to be seen. But Anderson, the president, did authorize the release of that call transcript. He tweeted as much earlier this afternoon. He says uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo got permission from the Ukrainian side to go ahead and release this information. But very important for our viewers to understand at this point, Anderson, the White House is starting to downplay expectations 
conversations as to what is going to be in that call transcript. I talked to two White House officials this evening who said prepare to be underwhelmed, prepare to see the contents of that transcript and, and find those contents to be underwhelming at this point. That puts a lot of pressure on what is in that whistleblower complaint. And, and Anderson, as you know, as we've all been following this, the White House has gone to great lengths, including the president, to call into question the credibility of this whistleblower. And in the words of one White House official I spoke with this evening, they're referring to this whistleblower as the so-called whistleblower. Uh, so they're not putting a lot of stock in what that uh, that employee has to say at this point. Uh, but Anderson, put all of that to the side. Keep in mind what happened when the president walked into the United Nations earlier this morning before he gave that speech to the United Nations General Assembly. He admitted to reporters that he held up aid to Ukraine. Uh, this after he admitted to reporters that he pressured the Ukrainian president in a phone call to, to try to get dirt on former Vice President Joe Biden. That is what Democrats are focusing on at this point. And the president all day long was saying there was no quid pro quo. Democrats are saying you don't need a quid pro quo because the president was pressuring the Ukrainian president to try to get dirt on former Vice President Joe Biden. It's Anderson. interesting, Jim, because uh, President Trump and others in the White House have been saying, well, this was about uh, overall concern about corruption in Ukraine. Um, and what's odd about that is there are plenty of countries in the world that the U.S. has dealings with and sells military aid to and gives military aid to, uh, which have widespread corruption. We haven't heard the president really talk about corruption Absolutely. in Saudi Arabia or anywhere else. Uh, and also, if he's very concerned about corruption in Ukraine, if the only uh, example he is talking about, and again, it's totally an alleged example, there's no evidence, uh, if he's focusing only on the Bidens or uh, Joe Biden's son, uh, I, it's hard to imagine that that's the prime example of alleged corruption in Ukraine. That's right, Anderson. And, and it's interesting. Over the last 48 hours, we've seen the president shift in his rationale as to why, uh, you know, he, he isn't in any hot water in all of this. Uh, he was saying earlier uh, that they were holding up the money to Ukraine because of his concerns about corruption. As you said, uh, the United States has dealt with many countries around the globe uh, that have corruption issues. Keep in mind, Saudi Arabia executed a journalist, it appears, in Jamal Khashoggi. Last year, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of that. That appears to be not a problem for the White House when it comes to dealings with Saudi Arabia, and yet there's a concern about corruption when it comes to Ukraine. The other thing that the president was talking about was, well, the Europeans aren't donating enough money. They're not contributing enough money to help the Ukrainians in dealing with Russian aggression. That also is not the case. Europeans have been uh, at the table contributing money to helping Ukraine deal with Russian aggression. So the president has been shifting in his rationale. He's been dancing around all this issue all this week. The question is whether or not this is one of those episodes, Anderson, and we've seen this movie before, whether the events and the facts and what the president has said will eventually catch up with them. Yeah, Anderson. Jim Acosta, thanks very much. We uh, have just heard from the whistleblower's attorney a brief statement which reads, quote, we applaud the decision to release the whistleblower complaint as it establishes that ultimately the lawful whistleblower disclosure process can work. We await the release of the complaint in its totality. With that, let's go to CNN's Manu Raju at the Capitol. Manu, do we know how the release of this complaint is going to... Um, affect the decision to move forward by by Democrats? 
Uh, we don't know yet because what the Democrats announced today was an impeachment inquiry. What they didn't announce was actually voting to impeach the president. That would be the, presumably the next step. So if the complaint doesn't show any wrongdoing or if the president, uh, the transcript that he re- eventually releases doesn't show the president uh, doing anything wrong in the eyes of Democrats or if there's no evidence the president sought to hold up military aid to Ukraine in exchange for investing in the Bidens, perhaps they'll have a different tactic. But if there are significant concerns, red flags, a smoking gun in there, that could, of course, expedite the push to impeach this president because the Democrats have been demanding this information. But Anderson, one of the reasons why they were considering impeaching the president is because of his refusal to turn over this information. They say it would be obstruction of Congress. So at least if that is provided, perhaps that will be one less count they would add to their impeachment inquiry, in articles of impeachment, Anderson. Yeah, get, uh, what Speaker Pelosi was saying today was that, you know, this is now under the umbrella of an impeachment inquiry and that the six investigations that are already underway can, will proceed under that umbrella. Does that actually really change anything? I mean, is this just, you know, there was a lot of debate among Democrats. Uh, well, it doesn't matter what you call it. It's an inquiry. It's it's an investigation, whatever. Um, does that, is anything really new here other than Speaker Pelosi is now calling it an investigation, uh, a, uh, a, 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 an, an inquiry? In a sense, no. It's essentially a continuation of what the House Democrats have been doing. There are six committees that are investigating this president. They're including the House Judiciary Committee, the House Intelligence Committee, looking at all aspects of the president, his businesses and his past. And what they have said, at least in the last several weeks, particularly the House Judiciary Committee, is that this investigation will ultimately decide whether or not to impeach the president. Democrats have been saying it's an impeachment inquiry because at the end of the day, they're going to make that decision. So what Pelosi said was that these investigations will simply just continue. And ultimately, we will decide whether to impeach this president, which is the same thing, essentially, as what they have been doing. So there really is not going to be a whole lot of change. But the significant thing of her announcing her support of actually calling it an impeachment inquiry, a lot of Democrats interpret that to mean that she is ready to move forward when the time comes to eventually impeach the president. And of course, that would be a historic move for only a third president in American history to get impeached, even if it would be ultimately unsuccessful in the Republican Senate, where two-thirds majority would be needed to remove the president from office. But Democrats are pushing to go forward, and the Speaker's blessing today makes it more likely that we could see articles of impeachment in the coming months, Anderson. So what is the process uh, in in, in that inquiry from, from here on out? Well, expect these committees to continue their investigation. Then afterwards, uh, if they do believe it's time to impeach the president, then the actual articles of impeachment will be drafted. Then the House Judiciary Committee will actually vote on those articles of impeachment. The full House then would vote soon thereafter. And then... It would go to the Senate where they would have the trial and then presumably would acquit the president, at least on the votes right they have right now. The president would not be convicted. But it's unclear exactly how long this will take. Speaker Pelosi behind closed doors, Anderson, I'm told, told Democrats she wants to be done, quote, expeditiously. And Jerry Nadler has said that he wants this done by the end of the year. So the question is, can they do that? And if it runs into the election year, how much does that impact things? Yeah. Anderson. Manarajah, a lot going on. Thank you, Mana. One of the Democrats who came to this reluctantly is Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill of New Jersey. She's a former Navy helicopter pilot, a federal prosecutor. She's one of seven members with national security backgrounds who wrote an op-ed in The Washington Post that includes the sentence, these new allegations are a threat to all we have sworn to protect. Congresswoman Sherrill joins me now. Thanks very much for being with us. What is your reaction a, to the breaking news tonight that, according to CNN, the White House may allow the whistleblower complaint to be turned over to Congress? And according to The New York Times... The White House thinks it may also have to let the whistleblower talk to congressional investigators. 
Uh, Anderson, the fact that we've gotten here that we still don't have the whistleblower report um, shows that this was needed. This step was needed. We needed to pressure the president to uh, turn that over. He should not have any involvement in the whistleblower complaint. The statute is very clear. Uh, We did this to protect whistleblowers. He's undermining that. But we need the full report. We need the IG's report. And then we need to keep pressure on the president because we know he said in the past that he would turn over certain documents or do certain things and has not followed through. So if, you know, the, there's uh, Jim Costa is reporting that, you know, uh, some people in the White House are, are sort of saying this is going to be underwhelming when this transcript is released. There's, there's not really any there there. Uh, others on Capitol Hill Republicans are saying this whistleblower uh, may not actually, ha- you know, have direct knowledge uh, and are sort of questioning the White House is saying, you know, calling the person a, a so-called whistleblower. If, in fact, the transcript is underwhelming and the whistleblower doesn't have firsthand information does that end this inquiry or uh, assuming something happened here? We, you, we know Rudy Giuliani, the president's attorney, was going around in Ukraine, talked to Ukrainian officials, having meetings th- you know, arranged also through the State Department. Uh, there must be other people involved. Would this continue then? Well, Anderson, I, I think uh, we know that the IG had the ICIG had serious concerns, um, and that's why I felt like it was so important that this whistleblower complaint go forward and Congress see it. Um, so even if it's underwhelming in its drama, I think there are some concerns that relate to national security. Uh, that's what the ICIG said. Um, and but we will go forward because we now know that the president held up. Um, Support for one of our strategic one of our strategic partners, Ukraine, as they were trying to um, deter Russian aggression, something we wanted them to do because we're very concerned. Our national defense strategy cites problems with Russian aggression. Um, so we are we were supporting them. Congress was supporting them in a bipartisan move. The president withheld that much needed support. We also know the president. Um, talked to, shortly after withholding that support, talked to the Ukrainian president about investigating corruption related to Biden. The president said this. So, yes, certainly there are grave concerns that uh, need to be investigated. Are you worried that uh, the president is set to meet with the Ukrainian president tomorrow at, uh, you know, as part of the U.N. General Assembly? Are you concerned if the president meets alone with the Ukrainian president with just maybe a translator present? Um, certainly, I would want to know what is going on in that meeting. Um, I, I think we've seen already the president's conversations with the Ukrainian president have been incredibly concerning. I don't think uh, the country wants to see him going forward, continuing those kind of threatening conversations. You, you were not publicly on board with impeachment until yesterday, as I understand it, when, when the, you and, and some of your colleagues, as I mentioned, published the op-ed in The Washington Post. Um, Is the holdup of support for Ukraine, you just mentioned, what changed your mind to support impeachment? Or was there a particular uh, something else that in particular that changed your mind? I think particularly the threat to our national security, um, the threat to our democratic elections. We see now for 2020 going forward, a forward looking threat um, with the president withholding support for a strategic partner. We see the president then threatening uh, another a foreign power with that withholding the uh, support and then trying to affect the elections, trying to get dirt on his opponent. That was simply a line that was crossed for many of us in the national security sphere. Um, we have served all over the world. I'm a Navy helicopter pilot, former Russian policy officer. I have served all over the world, as have my 
my fellow Democrats who wrote that op-ed with me, we know how important um, our relationships with our allies are. We know what it is like to be at war and to need support and to know that Congress gave that support to our strategic partner and to know that the president withheld that at a critical moment when they are in a hot war in eastern Ukraine um, was unacceptable to us. It is extraordinary, just the timing of that phone conversation, the, the one that, that uh, the transcript will be released of the day after uh, Mueller uh, testifies. The idea that the president feels he's cleared of any collusion on Russia. And then if, again, if all of this bears out, uh, this is essentially asking, for, uh, it's an attempt to collude with Ukraine and get them to collude to affect the next election. Anderson, I think we see the president's behavior as we haven't, you know, as, as, as we've seen just getting worse and worse, more and more chaotic and reckless. And that's why we felt like it was time to step in um, to operate uh, as Congress, as that check on a, on a reckless presidency. Um, we, you know, we see him now um, really thinking that he is empowered not to turn anything over to Congress, to act um, in a way that uh, really undermines our national security. And that's something that we saw as a real threat. Right. Congresswoman Cheryl, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up next, our team of political and legal professionals here to put this uh, in perspective. Also, late reaction tonight from the acting director of national intelligence, who's due before Congress on Thursday. And later tonight on this program, we'll talk to the former director of national intelligence, James Clapper. Certainly got plenty to talk about tonight. President Jim Acosta called it a major reversal. Two sources now telling us the White House is preparing to release the whistleblower complaint that essentially pushed House Speaker Pelosi to start an impeachment inquiry. One source saying the complaint is going through declassification and could be released within hours of the release tomorrow of the president's conversation with the president of Ukraine, or at least one conversation. Meantime, acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, who declined to reveal details on, compl on the complaint under administration orders and did not uh, move it forward to Congress, is scheduled to testify before the House Intelligence Committee. That's going to happen on Thursday. Tonight, he issued a statement. It reads, I have sworn an oath to the Constitution 11 times in my 36 years of public service and view it as a covenant with every American that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of my office. In light of recent reporting on the whistleblower complaint, I want to make clear that I have upheld my responsibility to follow the law every step of the way. The statement continues. As public servants, the men and women of the intelligence community have a solemn responsibility to do what is right, which includes reporting wrongdoing. I'm committed to protecting whistleblowers and ensuring every complaint is handled appropriately. I look forward to continuing to work with the administration and Congress to find a resolution regarding this important matter. Another item on what is truly a historic day. Joining us to talk about it, CNN Chief Legal Analyst Jeffrey Tubin, CNN Chief Political Analyst Gloria Borger, and CNN Senior Political Commentator David Axrod, host of The Axe Files and former top advisor to President Obama. Uh, Jeff, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot people in Congress don't know. What do you what do you want to know that you're not going to know by the end of tomorrow if this transcript or that we may know if this transcript is released and and the, the whistleblower is allowed to say something? Right. The, these stories tend to get <clears throat> more complicated, not less complicated, the more you dig into them. But just for example, some of the things we need to know, how many contacts were there between the president of the United States and the president of, of Ukraine? Was because it just the, this one phone call? Because The Wall Street Journal had reported uh, eight times that the president had 
sort of brought it back to Biden or pressured the Ukrainian president. We don't know if that's in one phone call or at least it's not clear to me, one phone call or multiple contacts. Good question. What was the chronology involving this aid package and why was it delayed and why was it finally granted? What was the connection, if any, between the aid package and the discussions about getting dirt on on Joe Biden? What was the role of Rudy Giuliani in all of this? Was was yeah. he sending messages to the Ukrainian government about getting um, information on the Biden family? He had meetings and talks with Ukrainians. And uh, he said on Hannity last night that some of those were set up by the State Department. What was the role of the State Department in facilitating Rudy Giuliani's efforts <clears throat> on behalf of Donald Trump? You know, all of those are questions that will not be answered tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be important. I mean, if this transcript of the conversation between the the two presidents seems pretty benign, well, that's certainly a very good thing for Donald Trump. If the the whistleblower's complaint doesn't have specifics that seem incriminating, that will be uh, a good thing for Donald Trump. We don't know. But all the questions certainly will not be answered tomorrow. David, there's, you know, obviously a number of Republicans saying, look, that the Democrats have, you know, uh, sort of moved too quickly on this. Why not at least, you know, it, it's an arguable point whether them announcing this prodded the White House to, to release information they hadn't previously been willing to release. Um, but it does, it, there's a big risk for Democrats in this. I mean, if tomorrow the conversation, the transcript doesn't really show much and the whistleblower may, you know, is not, all that they were made out to be, is that is that a danger for Democrats? Well, look, I think this thing is fraught with danger for Democrats, uh, which is why Speaker Pelosi has proceeded uh, cautiously here. But I was interested in what Congresswoman uh, Cheryl said when she uh, pointed out that uh, we are getting this information now uh, because of the step that the House uh, right. took today. It was only under the threat of this impeachment inquiry that the president agreed to release this transcript. And now later in the the, the, the night, we're hearing that uh, the whistleblower can come forward. And I want to make a public apology to Jeff Tubin, who just hours earlier I was accusing of being uh, way way too uh, positive about the prospects of getting information because we've seen uh, a pattern of obstruction on the part of the White House. That's been their strategy to uh, to deny and delay and send everything to the courts. And Jeffrey pointed out, and he was right, uh, that there are certain things that are beyond their control. And this whistleblower uh, is one of them. So, you know, my feeling is that the president has already uh, uh, put himself in a jam with his own admissions. Uh, he's acknowledged that he talked to the president about specifically about the Biden case, which is incredibly uh, damning. Uh, and it is particularly strange because the president has never shown any great interest in the issue of corruption around the world or, frankly, here at home. In fact, he's flouted ethics laws uh, routinely uh, here at home. So uh, the notion that he suddenly uh, got uh, religion on this issue of corruption and it was all focused on Joe Biden, right. I think, has much more to do with the fact that he's trailing by double digits in polls against Joe Biden than yeah. about his sudden interest in cleaning up government in, in, in uh, Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, Gloria, if you're interested in corruption in Ukraine, probably going back 10 years or more mm -hmm. to when Joe Biden was in office and his son was on the, you know, the board of this thing, 
that's probably not the the best way to fight corruption uh, in in Ukraine well, if that's really what you're going for. It's well, odd and, that that's what he's focused on. Well, and don't forget, he changed his story. At first, he said he was interested in corruption, and why shouldn't I be interested in corruption? And then the next day, he changed his storyline and said, "Well, you know, this is about everybody paying their fair share." Right, and the Europeans aren't doing that, and the Europeans aren't doing that, and that's what I was really concerned about. It wasn't corruption. So, which is it? I mean. I think we have to believe that what he said at the outset is actually uh, closer to the truth, because that is what he said he talked to the Ukrainian president about. Now, we'll we'll see some of this uh, tomorrow when we when we see this transcript of the call and we'll see whether the name Biden actually right. came up in it. But, uh, but, Jeff, I mean, that would be an interesting thing, even if the transcript is released and Biden isn't mentioned. The fact that the president has already said, oh, yeah, I spoke to the Ukrainian president about Biden then indicates, okay, well, there were other conversations. What was said? Well, that's right. And and and, you know, you know, we we can invent reasons why uh, he might mention Biden. There's only one reason why he would mention Biden, because he's running against Biden, potentially. And and the idea that there is some benign reason for raising with the uh, government of Ukraine an investigation of Hunter Biden's act, act, activities several years ago. It, it, it's it's just absurd. And that's why the president seems to be floundering around uh, for an explanation, because the truth is incriminating. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Tubin, uh, Gloria Borgia, David Axel, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to you uh, in just a moment. We're going to look. Joe Biden makes his most direct statements to date on impeachment and President Trump. That's coming up. Breaking news on a historic night, the White House preparing to follow the law, namely doing as the law requires and turning the whistleblower complaint over to Congress. That and releasing a phone call that is or transcript of a phone call that is said to be only part of that complaint. Now, as to the phone call on the 25th of July, that, according uh, to a report in The Wall Street Journal, included around eight instances of the president pressuring his Ukrainian counterpart to investigate Joe Biden and his son Hunter. One call, according to The Wall Street Journal. But part of a complaint involving multiple items, we're told. Meantime, Joe Biden gave his fullest, most direct criticism of the Trump administration in this affair and how it treats legitimate inquiries by Congress. It is time for this administration to stop stonewalling and provide the Congress with all the facts it needs, including a copy of the formal complaint made by the whistleblower. And it's time for the Congress to fully investigate the conduct of this president. The president should stop stonewalling this investigation and all the other investigations into his alleged wrongdoing. Using his full constitutional authority, Congress, in my view, should demand the information it has a legal right to receive. I'm back now with Jeff Tubin, Gloria Borger and David Axelrod. Jeff, uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal uh, reporting the eight references to Biden in that phone call, in that one phone call, uh, but then the According to other reporting, the whistleblower complaint that the one phone call was just part of others. Well, that's why, you know, the facts matter. Right. And, and, you know, the, the Democrats, you know, may, ru- may regret rushing so quickly into a formal impeachment investigation on the, Iran- on the Ukraine matter before they, they know all the facts. No, I because think- if the transcript tomorrow doesn't have any references to Biden, then that would seem to uh, make the Wall Street Journal report. Not accurate. And if there are no further phone calls, um, then um, there's a th- then there's a problem. But 
you know, they, they there was obviously a great deal of pent up frustration. Very interesting thing about what Nancy Pelosi did today. When you look at the impeachment investigations of Richard Nixon in, in 74 and uh, Bill Clinton in 98, the full House of Representatives took a vote to open in the impeachment investigation. Mm. Nancy Pelosi just did it herself. She saved her members from having to cast a vote on an impeachment investigation, which I think indicates her caution about getting members who have marginal districts anywhere near the record on impeachment. But, but David, I mean, what Nancy Pelosi said today, it, it, again, it's not really any change. Uh, it, you know, what she said is the six investigations that have been ongoing will continue. Now it's under the umbrella of an impeachment inquiry, uh, which there were, you know, quibbles about whether it was that even before this. Yeah, no, it was heavy with uh, with symbolism and it was yielding to the the uh, the moment and the will of uh, a growing majority of her members who were frustrated. And I think the thing that tipped the scale were those seven uh, those seven members who wrote a piece in The Washington Post, all member, uh, veterans of the national security community uh, who were from districts that Donald Trump had carried, competitive districts. Uh, and she and Pelosi had been shielding them. And they stepped forward and said, if these facts are true, uh, he is compete- uh, he's, uh, he's committed an impeachable offense. One other point, you know, Manu said at the beginning that uh, that the thought was that they want to get this done by the end of the year. One thing that she did not do was appoint a select committee uh, to examine this. And I think one of the reasons that she didn't do that was because that would have slowed the process down. Wow. I think Pelosi wants to deal with this, but I think she also wants to deal with it with dispatch because she understands that. If the House is mired in this for the next year, then her members are going to be subject to the attack that they are only focused on impeachment and not on doing things for the American people. And that is what you heard from Republicans today in response to this action. So, Gloria, do they try to get Giuliani to testify? Do they try to get uh, people from the State Department who set up meetings? Do they I mean, where do they go from tomorrow if that that transcript doesn't? I think I think they do. I think they do all of the above and more. I think they're going to obviously want to hear from Rudy Giuliani. They're they're going to hear from the whistleblower. They need to get uh, more information about that. Now we know that they're uh, going to be allowed to do that. And uh, I think David is right. Nancy Pelosi has to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. She wants to be able to say, look, we gave you. 15 gun control measures that we gave over to the Senate and it is stalled in the Senate at the same time that we have launched uh, this impeachment inquiry. And she also believes, and, and, and this is important to Nancy Pelosi politically, I think, and she said this today, which is that this is a story, unlike the Russia story, that's a lot easier to explain to the American public. You have a president who is talking to a foreign leader and asking him to investigate the potential corruption, as he thought it was, of a political opponent. That abuse of power is easy to digest and understand, unlike all the thousands of threads uh, of the Mueller investigation. And she believes that Democrats can make that case, as moderate Democrats did today and on your show, and and make that case to the American public that this is not the way you want your president to behave. Do that and 
do health care, do gun control, try and get some deal maybe on immigration that they can push over to the Senate um, at the same time. And that that's right. really her challenge. But I think you're absolutely right that it's a lot easier to understand. Yeah. It's also not that different. I mean, remember, the Russia story yeah. is about the Trump campaign and the people affiliated with Russia Collusion. colluding <laughs> to try to win uh, to try to win the election and then lying about it. Right. What is this story? This story is about the president of the United States and a foreign power who, by the way, is um, very, very uh, who is in a hostile relationship with Vladimir Putin, mm-hmm. putting pressure on him to try to collude to win the 2020 election. So right. there's a lot of overlap, yeah, but you're well, right. That, this is a lot easier well, to it's understand. It's as if Mueller never happened, right? There's right. There's, 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 there, there, there is one other big difference, and you alluded to it at the end of your point, Jeffrey, which is the complaint of Republicans has been that Democrats are sore losers and they wanted to reverse the uh, the verdict of the last election by relitigating the last election. This is really about trying to preserve the next election and keep it from being subverted. So uh, that 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 makes it a more current issue. Yeah. And, you know, after Mueller, nobody's going to say, oh, Donald Trump, he would never do that. He would (laughs) never do that. Good point. Uh, Gloria, thank you, Jeffrey Tubin, David Axelrod. Appreciate it. Just ahead, Speaker Pelosi's speech today. Aimed at two people, President Trump and the acting director of national intelligence will testify Thursday about the whistleblower complaint. We're going to talk to the former director of national intelligence about all of this next. The acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, tonight says he looks forward to working with Congress on the whistleblower matter. In her speech a short time earlier, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi laid down an ultimatum for the director of national intelligence. This Thursday, the acting DNI will appear before the House Intelligence Committee. At that time, he must turn over the whistleblower's full complaint to the committee. He will have to choose whether to break the law or honor his responsibility to the Constitution. We're joined now by James Clapper, who is a former director of national intelligence. Also, he's a CNN national security analyst and author of Facts and Fears, Hard Truths from a Life in Intelligence. Mr. Clapper is also a frequent target of the president's ire and accusations. Director Clapper, thanks for being with us. Um, how unusual, when you were DNI, did you ever not forward a whistleblower complaint? No, uh, Anderson, uh, I did not. Uh, in fact, I, I, I never knew I even had the, the option not to forward a, a, a whistleblower complaint. And typically the way it worked <clears throat> was uh, my inspector general, uh, Chuck McCullough, who served during my tenure would notify me by email, uh, since he was physically located away from uh, my headquarters, uh, of the, uh, if he received a whistleblower complaint and a general description of it, and he would typically ask me whether I had any comment. Uh, Which is to, what the statute says. It says essentially exactly. that you can comment on it, but you're supposed to forward it to Congress. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, as I say, I'm, I'm not aware of that option not to forward it. Now there, uh, and then uh, I never did comment, by the way, other than tell him, go ahead and forward it uh, immediately. And the reason for that is I was very, con- you know, I went through all uh, the Snowden aftermath and I wanted to be sure that there was a procedure that we followed religiously, conscientiously, that allowed an, uh, intelligence committee employees who, who had a grievance, a complaint, whatever it was, <clears throat> and to protect the classified information 
so it wasn't exposed publicly. Right. And by the way, to insulate the employee in question from a potential retaliation. So uh, I was very consistent about that my, my whole six and a half years as a DNI. I'm, I'm wondering what you make uh, of, there's a lot we don't know, obviously. Uh, I'm, what, you, what we know based on what the president himself has said, and his stories have changed uh, over the several days, how concerning is it just what the president has already said? Well, as others have said, it, it seems to me that, that you know, the president's his own worst enemy here, just the gradual uh, unfolding of his acknowledgement that, yes, he's brought up uh, the Biden family and their potential corruption. And then compounding that, I think, was the story changing from one, this president <laughs> is concerned about corruption to, um, well, I withheld the money because uh, Europe's other not nations paying their fair share. Exactly. Others weren't uh, paying their fair share. So to me, uh, his own statements, uh, I think, could come back to haunt him. And I I also want to just highlight a a point that Jeffrey Tubin made earlier, which I think is exactly right, because these these things always get more complicated. That these, you know, it appears that the whistleblower complaint will be made public or at least shared with the committees, as well as the transcript, and I put, I add air quotes to that, uh, of of the, the one phone call. Well... As Jeffrey mentions, and I think he's got a good point here, this is broader than that. There could be other interactions that aren't alluded to. I do think it's important to know what is the substantive content of the, of the whistleblower complaint, particularly given, which was very significant to me, the reaction of the ICIG, where he said it was both credible and urgent. And I don't recall receiving a urgent uh, whistleblower mm-hmm. complaint. I could be wrong about that, but I don't remember that That's over my six and a half years. The the, uh, the idea that uh, the president is concerned about corruption in corruption around the world and corruption in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, you, you well know the reality of many regimes that we deal with for a variety of reasons around the world. If you are concerned about corruption in Ukraine, uh, it, would you be focusing on things that happened allegedly occurred years ago? Or, I mean, it would seem to be that there are many would be many more uh, current examples that you would have access to the intelligence on if you really want to stop current corruption under this new regime. No. Well, exactly. And uh, to be clear, the last administ- the Obama administration had similar concerns about corruption uh, in Ukraine. Evidence of that was uh, Vice President Biden's uh, action. Uh, that uh, since he was kind of given the lead uh, by President Obama to to work work this issue with with uh, with uh, Ukraine, uh, and there are lots of other countries that have issues. Uh, another issue we had with Ukraine was uh, the, the the penetration by the Russians, but that, all that notwithstanding, we we had made a, a the administration had made a determination that we were going to support Ukraine in, in its contest, if you will, with with Russia, and that was the overriding concern. Mm. Uh, General Clapper, appreciate it. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, Cuomo Primetime is at the top of the hour. Uh, Chris, quite a day. I mean, it is. The yeah. question is, it is the beginning of what? Yeah. Uh, our shows work well together tonight. It's kind of like a one-two punch. You know, you've laid out brilliantly uh, everything that has us where we are right now. Then the question becomes, well, where do you go? What is the real process? Is there really anyone? I mean, what did Pelosi, what did it mean what she said today? Right. Where are we? What happens next? And what are the risks on both sides of this? History is suggestive. 
but also recent history. No, Tubin made a good point. The irony that the Russia investigation was about showing who, if anybody, went to a foreign power for advantage in an election. This president put himself in exactly that position of accusation with Ukraine. Yeah. How much how much meat on the bones? What happens next? We're going very deep on all of it tonight, set up by your great reporting. All right. About eight minutes from now, Chris, I'll see you then. Uh, coming up next, I'll talk with a longtime GOP consultant about what might come next. Republicans have largely been downplaying the news today or accusing Democrats of trying to relitigate the 2016 election. Here's uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy talking about Speaker Pelosi. What she said today made no difference of what's been going on. It's no different than what Nadler's been trying to do. It's time to put the public before politics. Well, it may not be as easy as all that. Lots of uncharted territory to come. With me now is Stuart Stevens, longtime Republican consultant, former advisor to Mitt Romney. He's also a consultant to a political action committee supporting Republican presidential candidate uh, Bill Weld. I mean, what the first part of what McCarthy said is actually true. What Nancy Pelosi announced today, it sounded very dramatic, but it is just a continuation of the investigations under the rubric now officially of, of an inquiry. You know, it's so interesting seeing someone like Kevin McCarthy because you know that he can't stand Trump. Hmm. And what he said before about Trump and it it just is amazing to watch them. I really don't understand. I don't understand why they just come don't come forward and say what they actually feel. Isn't it fear of of fear of what? I don't losing in your district of of I don't know. I mean, being an ex-congressman so bad. I don't really. (laughs) They just seem to have no sense of history here and how this is going to be regarded. Hmm. I, I just find it incredible. Um, it's not the Republican Party that, I mean, uh, that I grew up, you know, grew not the up Republican with. Republican Party of four years ago. Yeah. I mean, all the talk of deficits. I mean, that we're Character that? counts. Right. Personal responsibility. Right. I mean, these are all principles that you might disagree on issues, but you said strong on Russia. Right. Uh, conservatives used to make fun of liberals for, you know, Situational being... Situational ethics. And, and, and victimization that they were, you know, vict- pretending, yeah. you know, saying they were victims. That's now what, the party's just become this complete grievance mongering sort of how do you think history will see them? I think terribly. Mm. I think all this policy stuff, um, no one's going to remember this. I mean, we always go back to look at George Wallace, right? George Wallace actually did some good things as governor, passed free textbooks. But nobody's remembered as like the free textbook George Wallace guy. <laughs> You're the George Wallace guy. Right. And I think it's just a complete fantasy that what has happened with Trump and what Trump has done to our, our norms, our rule of law, our sense of public discourse, our sense of truth— all of that's going to be more important than like a marginal tax cut for corporations. You can make the argument that what Nancy Pelosi uh, did today, uh, though not you know really much different, uh, it certainly seems to have motivated at least the White House to move forward with releasing a transcript, the whistleblower and, and the whistleblower complaint. Do you think she made a mistake and moved too quickly on this? I have no way of knowing. Yeah. You know, I, I think the politics of this are imponderable. Um, so I think you ought to go back to what is the right thing to do. Mm. Trump has committed impeachable acts. Therefore, it's only going to get worse. I mean, there is a sense that if you don't do something now, it's just going to escalate. Mm. So, I mean, far be it for me to give Democrats advice, but I think you just have to kind of go out there and try to do the right thing and, mm. and not try to war game it out. Uh, and Based on what the president has said about so far what about Ukraine and what he did, does, does that seem 
uh, inappropriate to you? Of course it's impeachable. You can't, you can't. You, you, it is I mean, impeachable. All of a sudden, oh, based on what he's already I mean, said. Look, I mean, impeachable is whatever, you know, right. they, said, whatever they want it to be. Right. But the idea that you're calling up uh, uh, another head of state and asking them to conduct an investigation into uh, a son of one of your probable most likely opponents. Right. I mean, what I always get is, that doesn't Donald Trump wonder, like, if there's a Democrat president, he has these children there in business. Does he not worry this is going to happen to, like, someone's going to call up the Saudis and say, what about, like, Kushner? Can you look into him? Mm. What about Russia? Can you look into Junior? Right. You know, China, like, maybe Ivanka. Right, if you want to go I, down I this I don't, road, I don't right. understand this. I mean, right. it's like this sense, like, this is, the world's going to end when he's president. If these things become norms... It cuts both ways. We're seeing that with the whole filibuster thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that, this, and, this and is a thin executive orders, executive and all orders, sorts of and this was why you know this idea that there was this sort of thin thread that held democracy together in civil society. Mm-hmm. There's actually truth to that, and I think you know we've just lost that. Yeah, uh, Stuart Stevens, thank you. Appreciate Good it. To see him uh, coming up. The news continues. I want to hand it over to Chris for Cuomo Prime Time, Chris?